0: preserving the harvest of souls. Billy Graham was going to organize a crusade in Paris in France and a journalist asked him what or how do you measure the success of your crusade because Billy Graham was one of the biggest crusaders that ever existed organizing mammoth crusades, large crowds. So they were interested This was a response of Billy Graham. He said, we do not measure the success of our crusades by how many people will attend, though we hope many will come. We don't measure the success of our crusades by how much money is contributed, although we hope to pay our bills. We do not measure the success of our crusades by how many people came forward during the altar call. Though we hope that many will accept Jesus, we measure the success of our crusades by the state of the souls after five to ten years down the road. Beloved, this statement has stayed with me and has reoriented my perspective about soul winning. That's why I want to share this with you tonight, that as leaders involved in the work of God, God is not just interested in us starting the work, but God's ultimate joy is us finishing the work. He said we measure the success of our crusades by the state's of their souls 5 to 10 years down the road so the work really is in the completion not in the beginning every work that we do in the house of God is in its completion anything you start and you are not able to complete you don't have a reward for it so in the church we have many starters but few finishers You know, Paul said that I do not run like an aimless person, but I run like someone who has his eyes fixed on a prize. That's why at a point in the ministry of Paul, he said, I have run the race, I have finished the course. Now it's left for me a crown. So whatever we do, we are doing it with the mindset that We are going to finish. Because when we finish, that is when there will be a reward. Praise the Lord Jesus. The reward is in the finishing. So when we talk about soul winning, I want to enlighten us and engage our hearts so that we are already involved in soul winning and this church is a soul winning church and we are going to win souls Year in, year out till Jesus comes. But we need to do it well. Because there's a way that Jesus would have us win souls. And that way is for us. Not only to start, but to finish the work of soul winning. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, James 1.22, you can write this down. The Bible says, but be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only deceiving your own selves now this also means that we are word doers we are what word doers the joy of the christian is not that i had a powerful message the joy of the christian should be that i did the powerful message so success is measured from the point of doing not from the point of hearing If you study the promises of God concerning the New Testament Christian, God's blessing starts with doing, not hearing. So the Bible says that hearing a good word is a deception. A good word is not valuable in the ears of a good person. A good word only has value in the life of a good doer. So God is looking at all of us and measuring our success based on actions, not hearing. You know, so people um, have the habit of deriving all their excitement in coming to church. When they come to church, they become happy. You know, you have Statements like, oh, church was really nice. And before I came to church, I was so depressed, I was frustrated. But when I came, the uh, the music was beautiful. The preaching was powerful. The devotional was great. Did you see the dancers? Oh, this church day, I will never stop. (coughs) So, you see, you are excited, but heaven is not excited. Because God's response is in our doing, not our hearing. So, the moment you give that kind of feedback, God looks at you and says, this is deceiving himself. This is deceiving herself. Are you here with me? Power is derived from action, not hearing. So, the Bible is encouraging us to be doers. And to be doers means that when you hear, you give value to what you have heard. There's a way that you can waste the words of God. And the words of God are precious. You see, the Bible said that do not cast your pearls to swines. God's word is his pearls. God's word is his word, pearls. And the most valuable thing in God's economy is his word. The Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power. So when God looks at us and looks at what we do with his word, it tells him how much we reverence him. It tells him how much we respect him. It tells him how much we love him. Because Like they say, action speaks louder than words. So once we come to understand how God looks at things, the perspective of God, we begin to do things. Bible says, God spoke to Abraham. He said, Abraham, pick your son, your only son, and sacrifice your son to me. Now, the obedience of Abraham is measured by the action he took. When you do a study into Bible, it is said that Abraham walked three days with Isaac. He took action consistently for three days to fulfill the word he had heard. Why didn't God make it a one day journey or a two hour journey so that at least it will be, because what already is going to do is very difficult. To know that you are going to kill your son the first day, you walk ah, the first day And then you sleep. By the time you wake up. And remember God spoke once. God didn't keep saying move on. Keep on. God didn't give him any morale. He was trying to measure the level of obedience that was embedded in the heart of Abraham. And all of us, you know, at every point in time will be at that level where God is demanding obedience by our actions. And on the third day. As if he was not tired. The Bible says he climbed the mountain. Prepared the altar. Laid his son on the altar. And took the knife. And the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Abraham. Said Abraham, Abraham. Do not touch your son. For now I know you love me. So the love language of God is not in. You know uh, for example. When you are a young man and you meet a young lady. You see. Because the young lady is not. Observing things from God's perspective. A young lady can easily conclude that. The gentleman loves me. Because. Of the words. You see so for men. (laughs) Words move men. Words don't move God. Let us see the distinction. That, so, so some people think that they can just talk to God about it and, and God will be okay. Bible says say he's not a man. Praise the Lord Jesus. Our actions are very important to God. It was the action that provoked God to tell Abraham now I know you love me. So God's love your love for God Start from your actions. God's love for you started before you were born. So the love that God has for you, there's no question about it. The question now is the love you have for God. It is embedded in your actions. So be doers. So God does not think as men think. You know, for most ladies, their heart is when you send them a certain message. Yes, that's all. A certain message. A certain message. A certain message. So men are moved by words. And sometimes because we deal with men, we think God is moved by words. Let me tell you, you can come to church all your life. And you haven't scratched the surface of obedience in God's agenda. Because obedience starts with doing. God looks at those who are doing, not those who are available. Not those who are available. Did you not see that in the life of Jesus Christ, Bible says many people surrounded him. What were they surrounding him for? They were looking for miracles. None of them had the miracle. When Jesus was going to the house of Jairus, the crowds, what were they looking for? Each one was looking for a miracle. Jesus had enough miracles for the whole world. You know that. But the miracles he did, you see, they were measured. They were measured. A few miracles here and there. Why? Those who took action were those who benefited from his miracles. So God start blessing from doing. Say, I'm a word doer. So when we are preaching or teaching and the word moves you and you, you get up and you clap and you shout and all of that, it's good. But you are, you are still deceiving yourself. Are you here with me? And I enjoy it. I like it. I don't like church that is boring. Everybody is, we are not in a mathematics lecture. <laughs> we are in the house of God. You need to see life. But at the end of shouting and screaming, the blessing start with doing. Say I'm a word doer. What are we going to do? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28... 18 to 20. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is what we are going to do. The Bible said, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Therefore, do what? Therefore, do what? Therefore, do what? Therefore, go and make. Make. And making is a process. That's why we make soup. We make food. It's a process. So he said, make disciples of all nations. That's the scope of the doing. The doing transcends Konkonuru. The instruction of this doing has nations attached to it. He says baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them. So there is a teaching dimension of this doing. There's a teaching dimension. When I was talking about um, the ministries, I talked about the teaching ministry as being a general ministry. Why? Jesus gave this instruction to all Christians. So every Christian must know how to teach. It's not for a specialized group of people. He says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Somebody can just take that part and say, "God is with me always." No, he did. That's not what he said. And that's how people take the word of God out of context. God is not with everybody always, though. God is everywhere always, but He's not with everybody always. He has indicated the people whom He is going to be with always, and those are the ones that are obeying. The word he gave before he left. Say, I'm a word doer. Now let's look at Mark sixteen fifteen. Mark sixteen fifteen. Mark sixteen fifteen. He said to them, "Go into all the world, do what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation." So, the preaching of the gospel is not limited to pastors. Hello? This instruction was given to all. He did not say, prophets, apostles, pastors, go. It's a general instruction. Now, if you are in a proper church, you'll be taught the proper word of God. Look, if there's a church and in the church is only one person who is doing everything, it's not the model church. That's not the church that Jesus was modeling. When you look at the New Testament church, that's not how it is modeled. Everybody has the responsibility of preaching and teaching. And a good pastor must encourage everybody to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. He said... Go into the world. All the world. Say we will go. And preach the gospel to all creation. It says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. This is not even those who are going. Those who believe. So casting out demons is a very low realm for the Christian. To ascribe that to apostles, pastors, and teachers shows the, the falling nature of the church. Because those who are to cast out demons are those that have been preached to and have believed. That's their work. So if a pastor in this commission comes and says, Daddy, this person says he had a dream his demon possessed so we brought him to you. I look at you and I'm like, you're a pastor. That demon is supposed to be cast out by a church member. That's how Jesus modeled it. Those who believe, for believing, you will cast out demons. You will speak in new tongues. Bible said they will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So, healing is giving to those who have believed. It's one, once you believe and you become saved, one of the things you should look out for is the ability to pray for the sick. Nineteen days after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached. The disciples did what? Did they stay in the church? They did what? The Bible is very simple. The disciples went out. So going out, you see, the, the strength of a modeled church is its ability to go out. If you want to, if you want to know the true obedient church, that church is always going out. The Bible said the disciples they did not say, Wow, this is deep They didn't mean to say, Peter, did you hear him? He it's when we preach the God, the people who cast out devils, they didn't start a discussion group. The Bible said the disciples went out and where? 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 It's a crop on parts of everywhere. What about Bodaka? What about Maria Crow? Every spring test. Japan. North Korea. South Korea. The disciples went out and preached everywhere. So, the musician disciples went out. The devotional reader, disciple. The protocol, disciple. You know, there's something in church people try to find work in their comfort zone. You see, sometimes, if you don't take care, you know, all the ministries are important. You serve in the area of your ministry. For example, let's put hands together for Alicia. Alicia, I'm impact. Alicia became the best SEO in this uh, gathering last Sunday. And she pulled in an overwhelming 193 souls. An overwhelming 193 souls. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this into the picture, look if you are clapping, clap well, because... But... To organize 193 souls, it's not easy. When you come into our church growth system, you understand what a church growth administration is. That's what keeps me from sleeping. Myself and mommy. is so complex. It's so complex. We have a system that manages all the souls that come into our church. Follow up cell meetings is too. when you look at you can get tired managing that from the back end taking reports every single day on each soul determining whether the souls have been visited dealing with people who are not willing you are pushing you can stand with one person like this that's a leader and you are trying to get reports from the leader and it's complex I'm telling you it's complex I'm talking about one leader, and we are dealing with so many people. So for one person to lead a group, a team, in many territories, you cover territories like Konkonuru. Jankama Ketase Benkum. That's how many? <laughs> Say it again now. Pay attention. Konkonuru. Jankama. Jankama. Ketase. Ketase. Benkum. Benkum. Obosumase. Obosumase. Winiba. Winiba. Yes. That's six territories. That's why the Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. You must be wise to be able to have a grip. That's, that's the octopus dimension of soul winning. Yeah. There's an octopus dimension. is Having a grip on territories is territorial soul winning. Do you understand? Yeah. And the octopus has been discovered as sci- by scientists as one of the creations on earth with the highest IQ. Yes. So any soul winner that thinks territorial at the same time is operating the octopus dimension. Six territories. Pulling all of them together. Their basing, their um, coordination Let's put our hands together for her again. Now, the reason why I brought this in is that at the same time, she is a musician. You saw her singing today. She's a musician. So she's not saying the music ministry is stopping me from achieving that goal. There's a way that we can serve God in our comfort zone. And there's a way that we can push ourselves a little bit more praise the Lord Jesus. And this instruction, please, you may take your seat. This instruction was given to all of us. It doesn't mean that if you are winning souls, you should neglect this the help ministry. But no matter how much help ministry you are doing, you should be involved in soul winning. Bible said they went everywhere, they went where and they preached. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So no one is exempted when it comes to soul winning. No one is exempted. I mean when um, CGL Davis came into the church, he came I mean he was a photographer. He was almost the only photographer. But In handling the photograph, you are still planting churches. Because you cannot neglect the instructions of the master. Though every other thing you do is important to God, but he gave this instruction to all. So everybody prepares themselves to be a teacher. Everybody prepares themselves to be a preacher of the gospel. Everybody prepares themselves to be a soul winner. Say, I'm a doer of the word. Now, Jesus said this. In John chapter 4, verse 34, are you learning something? John chapter 4, verse 34, he said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Say, Finish his work. Say, Finish his work. So, the will of God is for you to finish the work, the will takes effect in finishing. So, for example, as we have mobilized people, that's why the words of Billy Graham made sense. He said, I'm measuring the success of my crusade based on what happens after the crusade. Because for most of us, yes, we've gathered people, many people have come in, uh, you know, we are excited, many people have accepted the Lord, we have ministered, we have sung, we have done videos, but is that the end of the work? No. No. Jesus said my food meaning what I do daily because food is something that we eat daily. My food what gives me satisfaction is to do the will of him and the will of him is go out there and preach the gospel. That's the will. Not just preach the gospel he says when you finish preaching the gospel teach the people That's where church comes in. You know, you have people who have megaphones all over the place. They are doing ministry. You see, you are preaching the gospel. I'll show you something. But you are not finishing the work. And it's more dangerous because the devil is not afraid of that kind of way of doing ministry. I'll show you something. There's a way that when you preach the gospel, the devil has enough power to take the gospel out of the hearts of those who hear it. So, anybody involved in soul winning must operate with wisdom. Wisdom is attached to soul winning. So, the gathering, the excitement, and all of that is the beginning of the work. The will of God proper is for us to put a framework in place so that those who came will be established. They will be taught. They will be raised You heard what Jesus said? Go and make disciples. The making of disciples require consistency, require engagement, require constant teaching. That's where the work is. The work is in the making of disciples. Say, I'm a disciple maker. And that's where Jesus is going with this conversation. John 4, 35. Look at this. Jesus said, Do you have a saying, It's still four months until harvest? I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Another translation says, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Can I tell you something? So winning is like farming. I have understood soul winning from the perspective of farming because I grew up in a farming community. I grew up here. I used to go to the farm with uh, my grandmother who is 98 now. I visited her last week. You know, we cuddled, we hugged, we pegged and all of that because she, she was the one that literally raised me. Amen. I was telling my mom that my mom didn't have time because she was very hot at the time. You know, so my grandmother actually raised me. And 98, she can't walk. She's lying in bed. And she asked my mom to get her something like a, a, a container. And my mom picked it for her. And she opened it and took a picture and gave it to me. And this is like my when I was born, like my baby picture, and I didn't have it. My mom didn't have it. Nobody had it, but she had it. She used to take me to the farm. So I understand sow winning from a farming perspective. That's why anytime Jesus is talking about sowing, winning, he's talking about harvest. He's talking about farming. He's talking about sowing. He says, lift up your head. And look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. If you are not a farmer, you will not understand the essence of a harvest. Any farmer has joy in the heart when there is harvest. Joy in the heart. But the wisdom of harvest is in its preservation. I also studied at Greek Science in the university. And one of the things they taught us is what? Post-harvest losses. Yes. At least if I don't remember anything, I remember that harvest <laughs> losses uh, Pasaymano was my junior he took the Agrik World Cup and even now he's doing wonders in um, Agrik he's working with chemical they are developing uh, some things to help plants and all of that I remember during the COVID I said I'm going to do a farm and I had to call him I said Charlie I want to plant meso what do you think He's my junior, and he was teaching me how to plant the maize. So he took farming. But you see, there's something we call, please sit down, post-harvest losses. And that is the most painful thing in agriculture. Not the planting and not the harvesting. The most painful thing in agriculture is post-harvest losses. To be able to farm a particular um, crop and have it in abundance. And not be able to create value for it. You know, in Ghana, it is said that the amount of crops that we grow is enough to feed the whole nation, right? And even more. So we are supposed to have buffer. You have the statistics on top of your head. He knows a lot of things. Please. Thank you. Shall we please appreciate our father? Daddy, please, I don't have it off head, but it's about um sixty percent of what we are producing. And then uh, when you come to the perishables, like the vegetables and the rest, that one is even worse. That is around by seventy percent, especially with tomatoes. That's post to losses. Yes, yes, we about, lose about, yes, about seventy percent of what yes we actually grow. Yes, please, because we are not able to process or preserve them. And a lot of them get spelled at the farm gates. So just like what we are saying, the possibility losses are very, very high in, the, in our farm gates. Yes, please. And to watch tomatoes, that can actually feed everybody. This is the farmer. You have planted acres of tomatoes. You have harvested them. You know this is it. Now, the value of those tomatoes is in the city. So the labor, plowing the land, preparing the land, digging the land, fertilizing the earth, all of that, you are going to get value if the tomato moves from your farm to the city. And then you watch all those tomatoes rotting before your eyes. So Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see that the harvest is... Ripe. It's not riping. This is ripe harvest. So the moment you are a soul winner and you think about ripe harvest, you must guard against post-harvest losses. Your excitement is not only in harvesting, but your excitement must be in preservation. How can I preserve this harvest and create value for the harvest? That's what Jesus calls the finish work. For most soul winners, the excitement is in how many people have brought to church, how many people have harvested. But God in his wisdom does not end with harvesting the souls. He rewards if you preserve the souls. Praise the Lord Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 16. This is the proof that. In so winning, there is post harvest losses. John 15, 16. It says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So Jesus' emphasis is on fruit that will last. He tied a promise. To preservation. Not fruits that will come but fruits that will stay. So the intelligence of the soul winner is measured in retention not immobilization. Mobilization is the first step of the work of soul winning. Retention is the complete work of soul winning. So you see that sometimes when we have these major gatherings, the next Sunday, we experience what we call post, a post-soul uh, losses. Soul harvest losses. Post-soul harvest losses. Because many people were just excited in bringing their souls together but never had the strategy of retaining them. The Bible says that if your fruit will last, then anything you ask in prayer, I will do what? Answer. So the promise is tied to retention. Say, I'm a word doer. So we must all get involved in ensuring that the souls that we win They are retained because the promise of God is in the action of retaining their souls, and the value that God gets from the soul is in retention. Exodus chapter 9, verse 1. Let me show you something. Exodus chapter 9, verse 1. Every time God is redeeming a soul, He has intention of using the soul. So, if you are working with God and you are only interested in the redemption. You are not helping God achieve his goal. Look at Exodus chapter 9, verse 1. This is a pattern of what how God operates. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says, Let my people go. So usually mobilization in preaching the gospel. We are more interested in let my people go. Release the people. Let them go to church. And that's what we do. We may not like Moses fight Pharaoh. But there are some Pharaohs in the mission field. Sometimes the parents of their children. Sometimes the husbands of their souls. Sometimes the spouses of their souls. We contend against Pharaohs. Little Pharaohs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In institutional soul winning, sometimes we contend against pharaohs, house mistresses, headmasters. When you go to football camps, there are pharaohs there. The coach. There was a coach that came here told me that, oh, those are pharaohs. But sometimes when we go We operate by the first dimension. Let my people go. So the people are released. Are you here with me? The people are released. We do all kinds of things to release the people. But the second part of that word is that he says, let my people go. So that, say so that. Say so that. So when the people go and the so that is not in place, we don't have value for the soul. It's a soul that they may worship me. Give me King James Version. That they may serve me. So God's value is in the service. His strategy is in the redemption. So when you bring souls to church, their value is in their ability to be planted and then to serve. Until the soul is planted and the soul begins to serve, God doesn't have value for the soul. It's like planting tomatoes and leaving it in the farm. It never entered into anybody's stew. It never entered into anybody's uh, fridge. It's a waste of time and if if we look at the work like that we will take certain aspects of the work that focuses on retention very serious one of them is cell meetings the essence of cell meeting is a preservation strategy it actually amplifies the wisdom of the soul winner if you are a soul winner and all you are concerned about is oh people came to church check my numbers and then you don't know what is happening in the life of the people, your wisdom is problematic. Hallelujah. You have let the people go, but they are not serving God. And when the people go, and they are not serving God, they will serve Satan again. It happened with the Israelites. They were released, but when Moses departed from them, they built for themselves a God. Because they were walking. They were not given opportunity to serve. So you saw people acting here, drama ministry, media ministry. In a church in circle, Holy Hill Assemblies of God, their media department has 200 people. Music ministry, 100 people. Everybody is serving. CEOs, everybody is serving. Let my people go that they may so by the time you are winning the soul, you know what they, do, they can do for God. You are not just begging the people, oh, come to church. Oh, come in. You know that God has need of the soul. Why is God bringing the soul to church? God has need for the soul. That's why when a soul comes to church and the soul is not engaged to serve, after a short while, the soul goes. That's post-harvest losses. We'll lose their soul. And the power of every church is in their ability to retain their soul. This is what the Lord has asked us to do. So we put measures in place. That's why we have ministries in churches. Because the more they serve, the more they are retained. The more God will have value on them. The more they um, they are trained, the more they attend cell meetings, the more they join ministries like lambano they join all the the more they are stabilized but if you go and pick the soul once a week once a week once a week that soul has no value for God may God give us grace and understanding in the name of Jesus so this Sunday in our churches will be taught five ways by which we can establish souls in our churches Put your hands together for Jesus. Five ways. will be taught and it's, it's very exciting how Jesus did it. And the wisdom of soul winning will come to play. Praise the Lord Jesus. Say I'm a soul winner. Say I'm wise. So each and every one of us must have this wisdom. When we bring in souls, even before we bring in souls, we must know this this one, music ministry. That one, media. As we are talking to the person, you must know what. When Jesus was talking to people, he knew what they were going to do for him. He knew. Jesus did not find a job for Judas when Judas joined. When he was talking with Judas, he, this will be good for financial. That's a wise soul winner. This will be good for this. This will be good for this. This will be good for this. As we go into soul winning, we should have that person. When you see the person, when you are interacting with the person, you say, Ah, this lady, announcement. It will really fit in. Hallelujah. Yes. So we win souls so they will serve God. Because if you are winning souls just so that the soul will go to heaven, Jesus has tarried. So the soul has nothing to do. All of us must get involved and ensure that the souls are established. The Bible says when the soul is established, then whatever we ask, whatever we ask, say whatever we ask, say whatever we ask, ask, whatever we ask. So the prayer, you see, there are different ways by which God assess our prayer. There's prayers, when you read the Bible, prayers that are not heard. When you read the book of Isaiah, it says, my ears are not blocked, my hands are not too short. By your sins, they block me from hearing you. So there are prayers that are not heard. And then there are prayers that some are heard, some are rejected. These are all children of God. The only assurance that God gave to 100% answered prayer is those who retain their souls. That's a special group of people in God's kingdom, and to retain souls, you need setting activities in your life, like number one visitation. So those who major in visitation, they are dangerous when it comes to prayer. Number two, follow up because the, those activities is what lead to retention. Number three, sales if you're a sales leader, what are you doing? You are helping souls to be established. The Bible says, fruit that will last. That's why I'm encouraging everybody, be a cell leader. Start a cell. I'm encouraging people, visit people, mobilize people, but retain their souls, teach them. And by so doing, the glory of God will be raising on your life. You will see changes in your life. You will see God moving in dimensions. This is how we are going to preserve the souls that God is bringing into the ministry. And when everybody gets involved, let me tell you something. It is going to be beautiful. Everybody can get involved in the work of soul preservation and soul retention. Hallelujah. When we come to church, sometimes people come to church. You see, people come to church and they feel like strangers within the church strangers, because nobody will talk to them. There are people that have formed cliques inside the church. You see, They work together. It's so interesting. They come together. They, it's like spiritually they have tied something to them. It's serious. And they always have the person who take the lead. And the person who is second and the person who is third. It's like nobody breaks a rank. And when we close church, they have groupings. Groupings. group. There are people here. They've not spoken to some people before in this church they have their partners they have their companions they have their mates they have their picture friends hallelujah you have chosen too many partners and they are souls who have come to church after church they feel like strangers yes I've been there before I went to some church the first church that I went to, I vow. I me, I'll never go to church. Because when I was going to Desperados, when, when Charlie, oh my guy, Charlie, I like your top. They don't know you. They approach, oh Charlie, ah, how much you buy them? It be original or it be this thing? <laughs> they don't know you anywhere. You see someone with a joint, Charlie, my bro, Charlie, this one be original, Charlie. You see, so you feel so comfortable. Even if you are isolated inside the club, someone will come and sit by you. And say, Charlie, you got a problem. Charlie, make we drink oh, this drink in the B. This drink, it will clear all your problems. But you come to church, you, it's like the whole, you see plenty of people, but only you. Nobody has time to come to you and say, Hello, my name is this, that, that. You are new. I have not seen you before. Can I have your number? You see people moving around you. Look, research has proven that before people are retaining church, eh, about 6 to 12 people must be their friend. before. If 6 to 12 people don't become their friend, after 6 months they leave their church. Yes. And you know, these same people, they will not mind anybody. They will mind themselves. Then, after everything, they will now come and blame the church eventually. Oh, when I was doing this, the church crowd, they didn't mind me. They didn't do this. They didn't do this. You see, that's the height of selfishness. You see, a church is a family. We are supposed to help each other. We are supposed to make excuses for each other. We are supposed to be there for each other. When you make yourself the center of attraction, you have taken Jesus out of the picture. We are brought in a soul. And usually when souls come to church and they are new, they, they don't intend to stay because the environment is foreign. It is our engagement, the wisdom of post-harvest losses that makes us know that this is a soul. If I don't engage this soul, they will go. Look at the amount of money we spend in Basen. Last Sunday, money that can be capital for somebody's business. I'm telling you. It's very expensive to bring a soul to church and you use your selfishness to let the soul go. Because we, we are inward looking. We only, after church, we just group, take our pictures, do this, do that, and, and then they go. And then they can see, as they are standing, they can see that nobody is even calling them for their pictures. Nobody is calling them. person is an alien. It's sad. Hallelujah. It's sad. It's sad. So when people don't feel welcome, they don't come back again. They don't come back. But if they saw you like you are here ministering and then after church you come back to them, they feel honored. Wow. This church is friendlier. Bible says that he that wants to be a friend must first make himself friendly. Make yourself friendly. You know, The fact that somebody said yes to you that week doesn't mean that mark them. It's not, it's not like you know, Messi and uh, whoever. It's not a football. Some people when they close, know it's close marking. Hallelujah. So cover your relationship a bit. Hallelujah. Don't make it too obvious. There's work to be done in God's house. There's work. Praise the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Don't make it too obvious. You see that because of you, people cannot concentrate, they begin to wonder, Hey, these people, hey, these people. You see, you are blocking. You see, it's a church environment. Be wise, it's a church environment. What you want to do, you will do it. Nobody can stop you. You see, but the way this is it the way, like jo- George has a, a wife, or you don't know, he has a wife, they are married, have children, but he's able to act as somebody's husband. And the person is not feeling anything because he knows that, you know. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Praise the Lord Jesus. And that's it, you see. And it bothers on security and insecurity. Yeah, security and insecurity. It's a very important subject in church. Uh, Otherwise, some people, when they fall in love in the church, we have to come and remove them from love. You see, we are not saying don't do things together, but we are saying that be guided, guide yourself. Praise the Lord Jesus, guide yourself. There are times that I've told myself it's not necessary to post, for example, unless maybe it's mommy's birthday. You see, when you are a leader, there's, you must be sensitive, it's also part of leadership you see like my children I can post them on Facebook and, but you hardly see me posting my children not because I'm afraid that someone will use their face for anything nobody no born of a man can you? <laughs> those are not areas of my fears <laughs> do you understand when, when my child was a baby I brought, when we were coming to there the things we had ah, as for that one it's not a problem nobody can use my child for anything but you see, as a leader, I'm leading people who are believing God for children. Do you understand that? I'm leading people who are believing God for marriage. Sometimes eh, you are not inspiring people. Though. You are rubbing it in their face. You, you, people look at you and they are discouraged. So you balance your life. You ask yourself, how can I be, be doing things in moderation? Yes, you do things in moderation. Because the people have come... They want encouragement. They, 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 they are believing God. And then you are, no, 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 no. No. You live in moderation. Praise the Lord Jesus. Yes. So there are certain pictures, beautiful pictures. Oh, I won't post it. I, because of where I am now. I'm a leader of people. You see? Then you see me then, I'm sitting in some wild restaurant, eating some wild chicken. Meanwhile, somebody is struggling to buy... Am I talking to leaders at all? Somebody is struggling to buy, uh, uh, you know... Yes, kinky. Then I'll post it. The Lord is good there. He has laid the table before me in the press., who, who is now the enemy? My church members now are the enemy. You see? So wisdom must guide you. It's not that I've not been to a restaurant before. Sometimes I take her out. But those pictures are not necessary. There's my flesh is to the, oh, so they know that you are just it's not every day that you are doing so in it, but then wisdom will tell me to what end, to what, what's the essence of this, to what end, you see. So you are guided, you are guided the soberness, the humility, the wisdom. You see, there are certain times that certain times I, I talk to mommy, no, this thing, no, we won't do it. Yes, we won't do it because of the people. It's part of the calling. You can't be called and say, oh, I'll do what I want to do. No. Sometimes you let it go. You sacrifice it. You see, you don't, you don't have to show off to prove anything because people are suffering. People are struggling. You know, I was telling one of the council members, when I came into ministry, you know the story. Godfred gave me a Range Rover. Yes. He gave me a Range Rover. This is one of the things that I say. I mean, one of my dream cars, because you know me, my, my car has to have a certain shape. Me, if the car is not box, it's not nice. Yes. Me, you see the car like those old police cars. When I see it, I melt. Like if the car is a box. For me, it's a car. That's why I went to buy the uh the Honda, yes, it's a box. If the car is curvy, curvy, I, I think it's for ladies. I don't, you know. One of my lecturers said something one time. He said that he, his pay is not much. So he won't buy a small car with many designs. Co policeman will stop him. <laughs> so he's not using a car. He will save until he's able to buy 4 by 4 Because he has realized that at the checkpoint, they don't stop 4 by 4 You see. So I look at my size, I look at everything. I I, I bought a car bigger than me. I don't want police to what? Stop me. Amen. Yes. So the guy called me. He came to see the work we're doing here. At the time, we had not built this church. We were in the canopy. And the guy said, He can't drive. You know, he was my junior in university. Or meet or something like that. But God really picked him up. At the time, he was employing 600 people. He was a multi millionaire. He came here, his heart was moved. He said, Randy, I knew you in business. This, I can't let you, at least you do this work, but have some comfort. So the car that he's driving, the Range Rover, he said, Have it. And I told him, I can't drive a Range Rover. Yes. I can't drive it. Not that many young prophets were not driving. At that time, many young prophets, they were drive. It's a status thing in ministry. But I asked myself, Range Rover in Konkonru, when we don't have a church building, what is the essence? Who am I showing up to? Who am I showing up to? The people are barely struggling to have three square meals, and the pastor is riding in a Range Rover. I'm not saying, th- there's a time when those things become, it becomes normal. Those things are needed, but we have only one church. We don't have a church building. The whole church is inside Kunkunuru. Where am I driving the Range Rover to? So when we come to church, people look at the pastor, his car, and they, they measure it to their hunger. <laughs> and they begin to feel sad. Are you here with me at all? So I told him no, and then he told me that he too he can't he can't look at me and use that car. And I said okay. Then he went to park it in East Lagon to a certain man, and then he said I should go and pick the car and sell it. And I told him I'm not a car dealer. I'm a soul winner. I'm not a car dealer. Yes. If you see the pictures of that car, you will stop ministry because it's a solution to life problems. I'm telling you, just sending the picture to make you say, God, you are too good. I see why you call me. I rejected it. Yes. You are where? I rejected it completely. And the reason why I didn't want to sell that car is I told myself, I'm just coming from business. And God said, I should stop business. If I sell that car, me, I've not done car business before. That would be the beginning of my car business. Because if I sell that car, I will see money that I have not seen. <laughs> and I will, I will be, I know how my mind, oh my God, my mind works. I will say, okay, in order to support the ministry work, okay, car business, car business, car business. Okay, hey, Range Rover, crying, I, see every I will use the money to build a church. Yeah, I'm just coming from business. My heart is still there, but my body is here. <laughs> you see, but the wisdom to say no to a temptation, to know what is a temptation and what is a breakthrough, that wisdom comes from God. And I rejected it. I didn't want to be tempted. I here with me. So sometimes you walk in wisdom, you walk in moderation, just so that the people around you can be comfortable. They can have confidence. Look at the kids I went to minister to. How could I have gone there at that time? Are you here with me at all? Yes. Some people will not come close to you because they feel like you are not. You know, and that's something that Satan would do in people's mind. Like you are more than them. Bible said that we become all things to all men. That we may win some. The objective is to win people not to prove to people not to prove to people. Yeah. And already, Range Rover has a certain status. It is for, it is for a certain kind of people. <laughs> you see, a certain, is a wealthy class to a certain dimension. I didn't want that to be associated with me as a missionary. And then what will happen? My pastors are coming. My pastors so after one year, they say, hey, God, Range Rover, or I die. Go. <laughs> you spoil the whole work. And that's what some pastors do. And then they are not able to raise people because as you are talking about the soul, look at, look at the Range Rover you are driving. And you are telling us go to Pukrom and go and do what? <laughs> so at the beginning of the ministry you watch it. And you watch a lot of things. It is God that rewards. Hallelujah. Yes, it's gone, reward. And the people should see themselves growing with you. You know, Even like right now, now, if I came into ministry with my own car, right? So after five years, if the ministry buys me a car, it's normal. The, the people will not feel anything. Because even by the third year, some of the people in the ministry will say, it's too much, it's too much. And I say, it's not too much for me. And... My wife knows, if this car didn't have an accident, I would drive it, to, one day I'm driving, and a the tire will remove. It is my wife that forced me, then they changed my phone for me. You see, I don't cling on to things. I know they can corrupt my heart. I don't cling on to things. So that's wisdom. You're starting a microchurch. Don't rub it in the face of the people. Align with them, become one with them. Because some people are looking up to you. They, 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 are, they are believing that God will help them through you. Don't push them away. Praise the Lord Jesus. And that's why sometimes, even for the ladies, your dressing, you must be moderate in your dressing. This is a soul. Wisdom is very important in soul winning. This is a soul. The soul is just coming to church, coming from the world. Well. And in the world well where they are coming from, they wear very tight things, exposing themselves. The preaching of the gospel has brought conviction into the heart of the person. The person now is coming into an environment where they feel like, now this place is going to help me build my holiness life. And then the person coming is the same kind of dressing, cleavages, expose. Sometimes when I look at some of the young ladies dressing, they ask, ah, can't you be sensitive? Because you are dressed by how you dress. You can't wear a funeral clothes for wedding. There's a dressing for everything. Are you here with me at all? But we are not your husband. And you are wearing this tight, tight thing. You are walking. We came to worship God. We came to worship God. So you see some young guys, they raise their hand. And you see the 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 amazed. Some people don't know how to dress. Uh, to the point that when they are standing in front of church, like when they told you that you are coming to do something in front of church too, you don't, still don't know how to dress. How? All power of God. You see, then they come and stand here. And the song you are you are you are raising, you're all I want. You know. Did I get a key? Did I get a key? I used to be a chorister but you don't know. It was a choir master that told me to go and join prayer department. You see. That song. So the young man wakes up and oh, he wants to say, You're all I want, and he wants to refer to Jesus. But when he sees you, you have locked the ascension. See, so many people are not able to concentrate Bible says that uh, the fall will come but will will betize the person who will it. you don't know how to dress D- do you understand Yeah, you don't know how to dress there's a way, you, you dress decently you, so don't expose yourself too much, we are, in, we are in a holy environment and this is a church of young people and many young guys are weak you, know, you, you, you may not understand these things I'm telling you, they have problem with their eyes, they have problem with their You see, if we ask them to talk right now, they will tell you. You That's their problem. So now they are not looking at you as sisters anymore because you have defiled the young man. (laughs) Amen. So learn how to dress. Amen. Yes, learn how to dress. Beautiful dressing. Please, let's take all these things into consideration. So that God will build a great church. there's a lot that we do to retain souls. A soul can come to church and look at trust in his home, join this church again. Praise the Lord Jesus.